This is CliffCentral.com. Ooh, what does this button do? Please, please, do not push the button. You have no idea what it is. What the? Talking Tech with the Techie Guy, Leroy Seger, on CliffCentral.com. Good day, hello and welcome to another Talking Tech on CliffCentral.com. My name is Liron Segev and in the studio I have got Jody here. Hello Jody. Hello Liron. Are you still here? Still with us? I'm here, I'm with you. Okay, just making sure. Sorry, I have to push the right buttons here. You know, the, you know these techies never get it right the first time, hey? You've always got to show them. <laughs> Something like that, right. Um, Jody is an account director at Cerebra. And she has done amazing things with startups, and she's seen the world kind of evolved. Um, yeah, you know, she's actually about to get married to a serious geek as well. So she's like well qualified for this show. Serious geek, serious entrepreneur. <laughs> so today, we, if you're in tech, if you're a startup, if you're someone who is even remotely in that field, who's thinking about leaving your job, who has got this amazing Facebook idea that's going to take over the world, this is a show for you. So before you screw it up, You've got to listen. To, you've got to listen to this. So I've been wanting to do the show for quite a while, and you know, when it comes to the startup world, a lot of people have an opinions. You know, opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Um, so you need to find the right piece, the right person. You got to find someone who's been there, who's done that, who can actually say, "Look, here are the lessons." And to do that, there's none other than Vinny and Vinny Lingham. He's actually joining us live from Silicon Valley at the moment. Vinny, are you with us? Oh. Hey, how are you? Good, how's it going? Lacquer. Are you up? Are you awake? <laughs> I'm awake, I'm awake. Well, guys, just yeah. to be clear, we got Vinny awake at midnight over there. Um, he is actually joining us because he believes in this kind of concept. Vinny is actually one of the dragons from Dragon's Den, along with a bazillion other stuff that Vinny is actually, is actually involved in. Um, Vinny, do you want to give us a quick one-liner, two-liner about kind of your background and why you're the man and qualified to take us through the stuff-ups that startups do? Well, I think uh, I think it's fair to say that I, I'm not I'm not the man, but I, I have a good uh, a good number of experiences I can share. Well, look, I mean, I've started um, companies in South Africa. I've worked in South African corporate world. I've worked in the startup world in South Africa. Uh, I've done. Corporate America, and I've done Startup America as well. So I'm still based uh, out here, but I think I've got perspective on, on a whole range of issues from small, medium businesses to large ones and across, you know, two, uh, two different types of economies. So, yeah. No, no, okay. give you some, some thoughts. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, that makes you the man. So, okay. So, I, 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 let, let, let's go with that. Um, so I think, I think we're going to start at the beginning. So there's a lot of people who think they're, um, they're cut out for this kind of world. Um, let's start kind of what makes up an entrepreneur? What would you, you know, say? It's a, it's an interesting question. I mean, there's so many different definitions for it. Um, I think my, my definition of entrepreneur is, is someone, sorry? Yeah. Carry on. Yeah. So my definition for, for an entrepreneur is someone who's willing to literally put it all on the line to, you know, make an idea, uh, you know, something was literally in your mind, an idea, you see a market opportunity for something, uh, and you want to turn that into a business, and uh, it's and, and you're actually willing to take the risk of failure. So you know, th- that's an entrepreneur for me. Someone who's really willing to accept the, 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 the take an idea that's really a high risk idea, but 
you know, in, in their minds, really mm. powerful and it, it works, but not afraid of failure. So you have to have that fearless mindset, I think. So you, you don't think it's one of those things that either you are or you're not. I mean, you sold Thundercat stickers at school. So if I didn't, does that mean I'm out of the game? Or does that mean I was just wasn't that way inclined at that time and maybe I can be? Look, I think I think some people, I've seen people develop entrepreneurial skills later on in life and become really good at it. And I've seen people have it from an early age. I don't think it's, you know, when, when it surfaces is not really, uh, uh, you know, and and. I think a timing issue, it's just more of a circumstance, right? So some people, uh, I mean, <laughs> the famous story is Colonel Sanders, I think, started KFC when he was in his 50s or 60s or something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he was an entrepreneur. He saw a market, he went for it. Uh, obviously, different times back then, and the tech world is very, very different from that. I don't think it's restrictive in terms of, you know, age or anything like that. Uh, and I, I do think some people are just born with it, um, and some people just develop it over time. So, Vinny, I think going back to you selling Thundercat stickers at school, I don't even know what Thundercat stickers are. I think I'm too young for that. Um, oh, but- <laughs> you're not going to last long on this show. <laughs> but um, typically parents encourage their kids um, to do something a bit more mainstream, so become a doctor, become an accountant. What would you say to that? And do you think kids should rather strive to open their own businesses and sort of venture into entrepreneurial space? Um, you know, I, I, look, when we talk about Thundercat stickers, this is 1986 or 87. <laughs> I was like six or seven years old. So just like my first foray into making money was, you know, buying uh, packs of stickers, opening the packs up and selling them at a profit. So I learned how to make a profit at a very young age. Um, so, so that's the reference, I think, to Thundercat stickers. <laughs> you know, uh, when, when it comes to, to people, I mean, I think everyone's different. I, I think, I think you have a, a, a wide range of people with different skills and interests. I mean, they, you know, doctors are a good example. Doctors aren't really entrepreneurs. If you think about it, they, they're self-employed people. They, they develop skills. They go through qualification. They spend many years training and learning, uh, how to, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, depending on what area of, of medicine they practice. But, but, you know, when they eventually, eventually venture out and start their own practice, they're, they're more, you know, self-employed people, which is great. And, and that's one line of work, uh, that they go into. Um, and some doctors obviously start companies and do other interesting things, but, but, you know, by and large, uh, they're not entrepreneurs. Um, I think it is different for, for, different for different people. I think some people, uh, want to be entrepreneurs, start companies, build businesses, and some people want to be self-employed and other people, you know, just want to literally work nine to five type jobs where, you know, when, when they leave the, the office at night, they don't think about work. They go do something else. They spend time with their friends and family. Their weekends come. They're, you know, skiing or surfing <laughs> or, or doing whatever they want in their spare times. So entrepreneurs don't have that luxury. It's unfortunate. You know, we just don't. Yeah, yeah so you make, you make actually that sounds quite quite attractive. I mean, imagine going home at five and not thinking about work. Uh, I can't remember the last time I did that. <laughs> it, does, does, it, exactly. just, it doesn't happen. I don't uh, think a lot of people can. But I think, I think, but but also the world changes as well. I mean, I think even people who are employed, um, they're being de- the demand of them is actually has gone way beyond your normal office hours, especially with tech. I mean, and tech has got a lot to blame with WhatsApp groups, WeChat groups, um, you know, notifications at all hours, and people are demanding instant response. You know, like you got two two blue ticks. What do you mean you haven't responded to me yet? You've read it clearly. Um, the fact that it's twelve o'clock at night is irrelevant. Isn't the world changing as well this, um, this way where people are becoming entrepreneurs, oh, well, becoming kind of workaholics regardless of what industry you're in? That's definitely true. But it depends on the job, right? So sure. if you are 
if if you run a if you run a small business store and your store closes, you know, six o'clock at night and, and you don't have customers walking in there, like you have a built on shop. I mean, you're not going to think about work at five o'clock, six o'clock when you close the store, right? There's there's, there's very little you can do in the, in, in the evening. So it depends what industry you're in. If you're in retail or if you're in, it's just it, it's a I hate being like it depends, but it, it does depend <laughs> what line of work you're in. No, but that, I mean, that, that does make sense. And I suppose if you're, and it depends also on, on the level that you are within the business itself as, as well, right? Exactly. No, I mean, no. you could have a situation where it's a very small business, a few people, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, the technology businesses are very different, especially when you're doing, dealing with e-commerce online, people yes. are coming to your website 24-7 around the clock weekend, Sunday, 2 a.m., someone's on your website. You know, if something breaks or goes down, the server goes off. I mean, you have to jump up out of bed, fix all that stuff up. It's it's you know, it's a different world, obviously, from uh, you know the bricks and mortar world to the online world. But, but and and that's kind of the, the the almost the warning as well that people need to understand what they're getting themselves into. If you think you can open up a store, you know, the upside is yes, I've got customers from around the world, and I can make this insane amount of money because I've got this amazing audience. But you've got to think of the downside as well or, or the support side of it is you've got to be able to support said customers in multiple languages around the world at um, the hours that they are available to shop in. I mean, the examples here, it's 10 o'clock in South Africa, but it's midnight for you. But you've got to be up. You've got to take care of the markets which you're dealing with. Absolutely. I mean, uh, especially when you start becoming more of a global entrepreneur uh, and you have businesses. I'm often in, on phone calls at, you know, Literally, like any time of the day, it could be mm-hmm. five a.m. I could be on a phone call and, and I have to wake up five a.m. to do it. So, this is what happens when you start when you start, you know, working across multiple time zones. All right, so we've got a quick question that's coming um, from Mark, who wants to know: Can you be a part-time entrepreneur? And and I think that's quite a serious question because these, you know, you mentioned at the beginning that you got to be in it, um, you know. Um, and especially when, if I look at the businesses that you guys invested in on Dragon's Den, um, and we'll get to that now, but it seems to be that the ones that took preferences are the ones where there was a commitment. So is that the case? I mean, you have to be a full-time entrepreneur. If you want funding, if you want someone to back you, you've got to show commitment. You can't be doing this on the side. Yeah, I think when it comes to taking uh, professional capital into your business, you can't be doing it part-time. I mean, if you if you have a part-time job, uh, you know, doing something on the side and, and, you know, outside your, your regular job, that's fine. You can do whatever you want. The moment you try and formalize it, create a company or, mm-hmm. uh, take investor capital, you have to be full time. A perfect example is actually, uh, Nicholas, uh, Wallander from, um, SA Florist. Uh, we invested in them on the Dragons and Show. It's one of the, one of the biggest deals of, of the season last year. Right. And, uh, and they've done phenomenally well, but literally he walked into the, on the show, I think the video's on YouTube somewhere, but he walked in the show and it was literally a, we're not investing unless you quit your full-time job and do the thing full-time. And, uh, and, you know, we put a couple million bucks in as a result, but we, it was a very, very clear message to him that we would not invest unless he quit his job. And he did. And his business has taken off. He's, he's grown it massively since he was on the show. Uh, he's doing a phenomenal job, and that's because 100% dedication, yeah. 24-7, thinking about the business, growing it. Uh, it's been a year, just over a year since we did the deal with him, and he's done amazing things to that business. So that, And it just shows like when you're passionate and you're committed to a business and when investors put capital in, you need to be responsible for that capital and deploy it as efficiently as possible. Yeah, but, but, and, and there's the other thing of I don't have a safety net anymore, yeah, so you've got, got to make it work. You've got all your skin in the game, hey? Burn the ships. <laughs> <laughs> Burn the ships, exactly. There isn't going back. 
And that's no how it going works. back, exactly. So, Vinny, I know you obviously a global entrepreneur and you, you are in Silicon Valley at the moment, but what's the entrepreneur environment like in South Africa? Is there a lot of support for people? Is there a lot of investment or are we still growing? Look, here's the problem. I think South Africa is, it's got a lot of good, op- good talent, good opportunities for people, uh, to keep building businesses. Because, you know, there's, funding is a big issue. I mean, I'm seeing this more and more in South African startups and South African entrepreneurs really are struggling with funding and that's really holding them back. The problem right now is foreign direct investments drying up as well because the rand is depreciating at such a rapid pace that I mean even now as I'm looking at making more investments in South Africa, I can't justify many investments in SA. I've also started looking at things like hedging costs because I you know I, I made my wealth overseas and so now if I want to invest in a local entrepreneur in South Africa, I'm going to convert dollars to rands and then you know, if the rand keeps appreciating at you know twenty percent a year, which is kind of what the average is for the past couple of years, yeah. um, I've got to, that entrepreneur has got to give me thirty, forty percent a year return just to be able to beat the rand dollar decline, sure. and right. then I would find yeah. I would buy a hedge on those rands so I can get the, get a, a better dollar based return, and so it's really making it you know it's it's very difficult now for for local entrepreneurs to get funding from foreign sources. And I'm seeing those deals actually. I've, I've been involved in a couple of companies where there were foreign investors coming to the table, and they've kind of walked away because they, you know the currency risk is really killing foreign direct investment. So look, you can find local investment from local investors and rands, and that's fine. But there is a lack of uh, foreign investment I think going in, and it's it's just harder to justify. But also the the other kind of mistake that that from an investment point of view, people think that oh, I'm buying it, I'm paying in dollars, which I'm getting a lot of rand for my dollar. Um, therefore, it's got, it it, look, it translates on paper as being cheap. But then they don't think of the exit. You know, what's my return? And because it's all great dividing kind of by fifty, but once you're going to multiply by that, you know, it, it, it is is the return really there? So a lot of people are doing a double take of being investing in South Africa, and that's a problem for us. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm probably going to do, you know, I've done about, I've invested about 13 or 14 companies in South Africa in the past quarter, you know, year or two. Um, in fact, it's, yeah, it's probably the past 18 months. And, uh, I, I can tell you now, I'm probably do, looking at doing half of that, right. uh, in the next year. No, not, in fact, less than half, probably like three or four deals next year. And, you know, we'll, we'll probably do another Dragons in, uh, season. Uh, there'll be some deals there, but I'm finding it harder and harder mm. to, 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 to find deals where I can get the returns that I need. And so what, what that actually does, by the way, is actually depresses the valuations I can pay for companies. So when entrepreneurs come to me with a, with a great idea or a business that's doing, looks like it's doing well on the surface, I look like a stingy bastard because I, <laughs> I want to pay high, high valuations on the companies. I just can't justify the returns. Uh, and then on the flip side, the, the, the guys who do approach you have got to have such a shit-hot company that that it's actually worth your attention and it's actually worth you taking that, hedging that hedging that risk. Um, it's got to be so worth it that instead of taking the opportunity cost, instead of taking that money elsewhere, you're investing, you're investing it locally. So heads up to those guys who are coming into the scene. You've really got to blow people's socks off. You cannot come there with yet another, oh, I've got this amazing deal. It's going to take Facebook out. Watch this space. Sorry, we've heard. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, literally every. Mm. I would say I get about two of those emails, or two people connecting me with me on a weekly basis from South Africa. With I've got the next big billion rand, oh. billion dollar idea, and they've got no experience running businesses. And I mean, it's just like a cultural thing we've got to change. Like you know, the, the sort of the success that you see overseas 
don't happen overnight. They definitely don't happen overnight in South Africa. And it's not as simple as just building an app. There's a lot more that goes into it. And, and, you know, when I see teams or people coming, approaching me, the worst type of people to approach me are people who have no technical expertise. They've yeah. never done anything in the internet world and they're solo founders. I mean, for me, it's like if you want to get involved in the tech space, you've got to have at least one person on the team with deep technical expertise. Uh, the, the outsourcing stuff doesn't work. It, you know, you can't have someone who's got a good business brain, but he, no tech brain trying to start a tech company and outsourcing to, to third party developers. Where it's, that doesn't work either. No. And for various reasons, I won't even get into. But these are all the mistakes that these entrepreneurs are making when approaching investors, especially investors based overseas. Well, well speaking of the, kind of the, the mistakes, one of the things that has come up again and again in the questions, you know, when I posted saying I'm talking to you, people have said, um, I'm concerned because I've got this amazing product and the investor will copy me. So let's kind of debunk that myth quite quickly now. So I'm, I'm, I've got, I think, over 40 or 50 investments in companies. I haven't, I've got barely time to read the reports <laughs> from these companies, let alone copy anyone. I mean, you know, and, and that's, not, that's not even my full-time job. Right. Like I, 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 I'm a full-time entrepreneur. I tend to build one company at a time and focus just on that company. And then I move on to the next one afterwards. Uh, you know, unless it's you know, in, the, in the case right now, I'm running Gift. Uh, unless it's competing in the gift card space, there's virtually zero chance I'm going to go copy and do that. Uh, <laughs> unless it's my single next big idea, which I'm going to chase after. So the chances of anyone's idea being copied by me is, is extremely small. <laughs> okay, but but I mean, but that's that's a big thing. People think that they've got their next Facebook because I mean, God, how many times have we heard that? Um, and I go, yeah. yes, but if I tell you, you'll just do it without me. Uh, and yeah. you need and to a dozen. It's all about execution. I mean, well, you can. Uh, like, I, I've got. A, I've got a, a spreadsheet of like fifty ideas that I've come up with over the years, which are all interesting ideas. I don't have time to execute on those. <laughs> Most investors, you know, professional investors don't have the time to go build companies, and professional entrepreneurs don't have the time to chase other people's ideas. No, uh, and the copycats rarely ever win anyway. So it's just. It's not something which you should be worried about. I mean, that's why Silicon Valley doesn't even – no one signs NDAs. You come to any investor in Silicon Valley and make them sign an NDA, they'll show you the door. It's yeah. just never going to happen. No one does it. Okay, so it's heads up, people. Good. This is just – just that's a great tip because the amount – I mean, um, I do a lot of kind of business consulting and the amount of NDAs you, they want you to sign before you even have the first conversation, it's such an off-putting thing. Besides the fact that NDA are difficult anyway, but if you're in the business, like Vinny is kind of investing, you're going to see a million ideas. There's no way he can sign NDAs every time because they're going to, someone's going to use the word internet. The next thing is an internet company. Now what? Vinny can't do it. It just doesn't work. So NDA are a big no-no and a big put-off. Um, oh, and I think we just lost a lot of people on Twitter saying shit. <laughs> um, all right. So now you, you've got um, in the book, the, you guys got together. You, you've done a season of Dragon's Den. Um, you've got this great book called I'm In. Um, it's at 285 Rand. It's available exclusive books and a lot of other places if you can still find it. I struggled to get to find mine. Um, and in that book, kind of, it's almost a textbook, a how-to guide. But, I mean, we've seen a lot of self-help books which are theoretical. What I dig about this is it's very practical. So um, on page 57, I kind of refer back. You've got a list of questions that I should expect myself to answer, and especially if I'm about to face an investor. You know, how did you come up with those questions? Were those stuff that you've seen yourselves in, um, you know, people don't know their own products? Well, let, let, let me take a, let's take a step back and I'll tell you how we got to the book. So oh. 
we sat on the Dragon's Den, you know, season one filming this, and the, the five of us were there. We had about 80 companies pitch us in 10 days. It was a very intense 10 day period. When you, what you see on TV is an edited version of, you know, a pitch. The, the classic example is SFRS. I think it was a two hour pitch session that we had with them. And I think the viewers on TV, the full version on TV in the 45 minute episode that aired was maybe, I don't know, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. So after two yeah. hours, it edited down to 15 minutes with the Q and A. Um, and the, the the thing is, I think mo- most most people don't realize how much like how much we discussed in those two hours. And so when we walked away from the season before, I mean, we hadn't even seen the episodes. Obviously, we just fi- we just finished filming it, and so we sat down as a group and we were just chatting. And you know, I, I actually think I came up with the idea of like we should write a book about this. And Gil was all over it. He was like, "This is great. We should do a book." Because we were sitting there, uh, literally just thinking about how we could. Uh, take these lessons that because we were, we had such a broad range of entrepreneurs pitching at us, and the lessons that we like the, the you know the advice we were giving these guys we were looking at each other going wow like we were all equally impressed. Oops, I think we seem to have a internet issue. We seem to have dropped dropped off. We're gonna see if we can try and get Vinny back Vinny back on the line now. Give me one second. All right. In the meantime, why don't we do this? Well, let's take a break because it's a good time as any. And we're going to have kick on with a song and we'll be back straight after this. Download the Cliff Central app. Available now on the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. All right. Vinny, you're back. I'm back. Sorry. Okay. See, technology sometimes does let us down as well. It happens. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. One, 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 one of those things, right? Oh, it's fine. But it's, it's given us enough time for people to have come back, come back in. So you were saying, sorry, you were saying you, you, you've guys sat around, you've said, let's write a book. Um, Gil said it was a great idea. Then we lost you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, so Gil and I were, and then, and then we managed to rope all the dragons in and say, guys, let's put a book together. Let's donate the proceeds to charity. That was a big thing for us. Like, look, we don't want to make money for book. Let's make sure the money goes to entrepreneur empowerment. Uh, you know, funds and, and whatever else. So that's where it's going into. The proceeds of the book's basically going to help entrepreneurship in South Africa. But we, we actually literally had 80 different pitches. And so, you know, the, putting the book together was, uh, the, a lot of the lessons learned was we actually had the people who helped to put the book together go through, you know, 80 pitches. So call it, you know, a couple of hundred hours worth of, worth of, feedback from the dragons on all these entrepreneurs and compile these lessons into into the book so this is a a lot of like just pearls of wisdom that was coming out of us over a 10-day period of really intense uh pitching and so that's where the stuff came from it was just literally us realizing that there was such a huge gap in the market in terms of what knowledge experienced people had versus the, the young people coming with great ideas but no knowledge of how to execute and this book's taken off like crazy i mean I, my mom couldn't get a copy. Everyone, like, <laughs> the, the stores are all sold out. Uh, we've sold thousands of books in, in the past month. It just launched. So it's, it's, it's doing exceptionally well. I mean, uh, yeah, so it's great. I, I think it's great for the country. I think it's great that we have a, a, you know, a book that's really been, it's not just, you know, us sitting around writing. We, it was real, real world examples of entrepreneurs trying to start and build a business and, and why they were getting rejected. I mean, we only funded, I think out of 80 pitches, there was probably about 15 deals. So call it less than 20% of the people who came in front of us got funding from us on Dragon's Day. Sure. And that's, a, it's, that's an 80% failure rate. Yeah. yeah. And so 
you know, it's just it's just it's just impressive to take the lessons of why we didn't fund them and turn it into uh, you know some sort of manuscript that people could use. And I must say that that's the one thing I really enjoyed about uh, about this whole book thing. So that it was practical, it was real, it was stuff that you can take today and you can go and answer questions today. And if you can't answer those questions, don't bother taking the next step because these are so fundamental. We've had lots of people on the show who've been startups who have done their work over the years. And on paper, somebody has written obviously a very nice pitch and it sounds amazing, but they can't present it. They can't bring across. They don't really understand their own businesses. And that's where they let themselves down because you've got the opportunity. You're standing in front of, in your case, all the dragons ready with money on the table, ready to plow into the businesses. And they can't sell themselves. They can't sell. They don't understand fundamentally how their business runs. And you guys nitpick that easily by asking two or three very simple questions, which frankly they should have asked themselves. And that's kind of the issue that's, that's coming out. Um, and I'm glad that the book is selling out like hotcakes and you can't get them. I have one. I'm going to put it on eBay and start auctioning it <laughs> off. I figured we might as well take the opportunity to make some money here, right? So one of those, <laughs> seize the opportunity. <laughs> Absolutely. So now, speaking kind of of the, of the plans themselves, a lot of questions have come and revolved around this. And I think Joe kind of sent a message in to say, seriously, how important is a business plan? I kind of know what I want to do and things change that quickly. So what's the real point of writing the stuff down? Now, to be that's a, yeah. <laughs> so I'm one of those guys where I, business plans, like I don't do business plans anymore. Not no. for tech startups. Things change too quickly. What, what, you know, in the tech world, what you do, you, you do a, a good 12, you know, 12 slide PowerPoint presentation of what you try and do. Uh, you have a, a vision of, of the product, but, but you go through all the important slides and there's tons of these, um, these, these slide decks, uh, mm-hmm. the sort of templates that are out there. It's, it, it doesn't take long to do, but it requires a lot of thinking. Now, a lot of people, you know, um, if, look, depending on the industry in, a business plan is either required or not. In the tech world, because things are changing all the time, uh, business plans are just not required because you, you're doing early stage product development innovation. Um, the focus isn't generally on making a profit or managing finances. It's on uh, you know, you're hiring three or four developers. You know how much you're going to spend per month. You you need to raise 18 months worth of capital to get it to a certain point, and and that's kind of a given in the tech world. So that's not, right. uh, right. you know, you, you but you know, but to get to that point, you still need to understand unit economics. What are you, what are you building? How do you make money? Is there is there a revenue motive in the beginning? Is there not? If there isn't, uh, how do you get to the next stage where you get additional investors to keep funding it, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So, so you might not need an, an official business plan like we used to in the past for bricks and mortar businesses, um, but you still need to understand the business. You still need to be able to bring across that you know what the hell you do. You need to know what an ROI is, what an EBITDA is. You need to know how to what's the profit margin is going to be, where it's going to be. Uh, so it might not be this thirty pages that you got some professional business plan writer to do. So, but you got to be able to still speak the language, right? Absolutely. So, so that's exactly it. So it's, it's, it's less about the, it's, it's more about substance, not form. Right. Okay. The form of a business plan has become outdated, but the substance is still important. So when we quit as an entrepreneur and you can't get to the substance, you know, quickly and concisely, I get worried. I mean, also long-winded entrepreneurs are a problem because, you know, the guys who just can't be concise and, 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 and specific about what it is tend to not know the details really well. Um, and and then the ones that get dragged and mired in details can't execute because they're so, they're so worried about the details they don't get you know yeah, <laughs> they, yeah. they don't get get on with it so it's, it's a tough one I mean certain businesses absolutely need a business plan of some sort so when you have big finance projects where you you're deploying 
you know, millions of rands into construction sure, and sure, sure, you know, that sure. sort of thing. The, 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 you need proper planning. Um, the technology is a different world where, where, where it's more about execution and less about planning because things change so much when you are in the code, etc. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's different. It's and, different. And, and, and I suppose we need to be able to adapt because the whole thing that what an, entre- want, an investor wants to know is that um, once we push kind of the play button, once we, we embed together, I want to know that I can count on this person to adapt and make things happen. So if something changes, I don't want him to say to me, yes, but I said in month seven, I'll do the following. They've got to do it in month three because that's what the market demands. That's what you need to be, especially the tech world, which I love that point of you can't outsource your tech. If you're a tech business, you've got to live and sleep the tech because shit changes all the time. Things happen everywhere around the world. If you're not fingers on the pulse and you're lying on your outside partner to do that, you're in deep trouble before you even get out the starting block. Yeah, exactly. One of the things I've done, I mean, we, we have, we have co-investment partners in South Africa on certain deals. One of the things I've done away with is, is by and large for tech investments, at least non-tech investments. I still see the merit of it, but tech investments, we don't do milestone based investing. Right, like, right. so we're not going to commit, you know, X amount of money based upon certain milestones that you hit or whatever right. else. That doesn't work anymore because things change and you have to go back and change the contracts and you decide to change the milestone because uh, you discover something new about the product or the space, or you, you try and pivot in a different direction. That doesn't work. So, uh, tech is just a very different space altogether. Uh, has to has to has to be that way. All right. So keep those thoughts in line. We've got some more questions which are coming in. We're going to go for a quick two seconds break, and we'll be right back with Vinny, guys. If you've got any questions, reach out to us um, on Twitter at at Liron underscore S E G E V. Um, get a hold of us at Cliff Central Com on Twitter as well. Jody, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, at Jody Ann Castle. Okay, that was quite simple. Um, Vinny, your Twitter handle? At Vinny Lingham. Jeez, you guys are complicated people, really. <laughs> all right, all right. So we, go, we keep those questions coming. We've got a lot of them still, still to get through. Vinny, we're not going to keep you up that long. Promise, we'll get there. No so, worries. Slowly but surely. Talking Tech with the Techie Guy, Liron Segev on cliffcentral.com. Christmas is on the way, and so is the happiest family event of the year, the Parkview Charity Christmas Market at the George Hay Park in Parkview from the 27th to the 29th of November. The Christmas Market is a weekend of fun, unique arts and crafts, brilliant gift ideas, kids' fun galore, big screen sports, a beer tent, and a champagne and oyster bar with continual live music. Parkview Christmas Market for a great time with all proceeds going to charity. I was never brave. I was young, out of control, drinking, drowning, brewing the storm. I was never brave. Bengi Iguala, battled, crawled, crashed. I was never brave. Fled, bled, followed, never led. If only someone had stepped in, pulled me out. That's why I became the mentor I wish I'd had. Help under 18 say no to alcohol. Sign up at sabstories.coza. Hashtag be the mentor, a South African Brewers initiative. This is CliffCentral.com. Talking Tech with the Techie Guy, Liron Segev on CliffCentral.com. Okay, and we're back. What are you with us? Yep, I'm oh, here. Technology didn't let us down. We all call again. Uh, all right, so seriously, I mean, these things that just keep on coming, we're going to have to filter them because we're going to run out of time quite quickly. Um, one of the important questions that has come through is how important is technology in today's connected world? So I think it's a bit of a loaded question, yeah. <laughs> but we do understand that tech's critical, right? 
I mean, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, I can't really comment on that question. Yeah, all right. I, I mean, I think it's obvious. So, um, yeah, the world is big. You want okay, but I mean, let 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 me do it, let me do it differently. If you're in Africa, what's the last thing? The last thing that technology offers you is that the ability to now get exposure to the big bad world. Whereas previously we were so disconnected from the world, we now open to it. So, um, I think it's Joanne. No. It is Christy who asked that question. So, Christy, if you're in Africa and you're trying to open up a business, you've got to think local, but you've also got to, if you're going to make it really that big, just keep an international mind as well. Um, so, I suppose maybe, um, Jenny, if I can ask you, the question is, um, should entrepreneurs, when they get started, should their big kind of end goal be to take over the world or should they kind of start local, take over local and then kind of venture out? What's your view on that? Yeah, no, I, I definitely think it's a, a people need to sort of look – you're not going to become a global billionaire by jumping from, you know, working on a small business in somewhere in South Africa to, you know, the global stage in a year. Right. You know, if you work really hard, it might take you 10 years uh, or, you know, five to 10 years. You know, it's, it's not going to happen. So you, you've got to start, you know, you've got to start with, I, I, like, I like to say to people is, is what I like to say to young entrepreneurs is, look, you know, find a nice firm for, footing you know and and build and build yourself up from there don't try and just jump ahead into the big pond like take you know the walmart story is a great story because walmart started off um you know they when they started off as a, as a company they, they you there yeah yeah yeah, Kara. yeah so walmart started off as a taking out trying to take on sears now back in the days in the, in the u.s sears was this massive mm. retail mm. conglomerate and walmart is a small little you know uh grocery type retail store they started from all the smallest towns. They built one store after another, after another. Eventually, you know, they had they taken on all of you know all of American small all the small markets. They aggregated all the small markets, and they got to the point where they can actually take on guys like Sears and become the biggest retailer in the world. It took 30, 40 years, right? right? But they well, they started small. They really started small with small stores and small towns, and built it up from there, and they became massive after that. Same thing. I mean, what I find in business is that. Entrepreneurs try and go too big too soon, and they don't have a firm footing in, in a market. You know, if, you, if you're a South African company and you're trying to hit the U.S. market, the first question I'm going to ask you is, okay, what is your product? And how is it selling in South Africa? Who are your competitors? What's your market share in South Africa? And if you come back with answers like, you know, we have five or ten customers in South Africa, and we have, you know, a 5% market share or 3% market share, I'm like, you can't even win in your home market. How are you going to go overseas? Absolutely. If you, come yeah. to me, if you come to me and say, look, the market for my product is massive in South Africa. There's, uh, we have 1,000 clients. We're making 300, 400 million around a year. You know, obviously, it's a much bigger business at that sure. point. But, but you know, we, we, don't, we, we, we don't have any more room to grow in South Africa. Everyone comes to us anyway. Now we want to go overseas. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, that's the type of business where it's believable. But when people don't even have – solid market share in their home country or their home um, location, how can they look at going international? Yeah, I mean, and, I, and I've seen that firsthand as and well. And the excuse, by the way, is always, the excuse I always hear is, yeah, but people here don't understand my product. Right. I mean, you know, <laughs> the world is a lot more global than it used to be. I mean, people, you know, there are companies around the world that need your product. There will be companies in South Africa that need it as well. And, and, and even though it may be true, the, fir- the first question I ask about that is, well, are there competitors in your local market that are outselling you or doing a better job of getting market share? And the answer is yes, then your product's not good enough. Absolutely. And, that, and, and so I, I'm very product focused as a 
investor and as an entrepreneur. You've got to build the best product in a market segment. You've got to win on, on the basis that your product is better than anything else out there. And not because you think it is, because your <laughs> revenues are showing and because you, the competitors are dropping whoever else is in the market to go after your product and you can show that you're just getting traction. Those are the important things that you look at. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it, it, it's, well, it's exactly that, is that um, also we don't understand scale here because we think we you know we sold 100 units, we go like we're doing phenomenally well. Where I've just seen a company in the States who's as a startup just trying to test the market, it was 10,000 people signed up for their service. So, I mean, you cannot begin to imagine the complexity from going from 10 people to serving 10,000 people, different, world, different worlds apart. Yeah, and I think, um, Vinny, if we bring it back to sort of the Dragon's Den and the book a little bit, um, there's a lot of talk around equity. Um, should entrepreneurs be giving away equity or should other methods be explored like debt? You know, um, unfortunately, debt is something which is really reserved for um, companies that have assets, typically, um, or companies that are very late stage that have you know very strong equity value that they can finance against. Debt doesn't really work well for startups that have to service the debt with uh, no predictable income streams, right? So that, that's the problem. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just hard. Uh, and, and obviously the cost of debt in South Africa is a lot higher than the rest of the world. Yeah. I mean, interest rates are you know, close to 10, 12%, whatever it is. They're probably charging more uh, given the risk. Um, yeah, so, so debt's a very hard instrument to use in South Africa, I think. Uh, but the one thing that is really, really cool, which I'm really big fan of, is crowdfunding. To me, there's no um, better way to test the market than and a cheap way to test the market than crowdfunding. What's your view on that? I, I'm a big fan of crowdfunding. I think uh, there's there's ways to do crowdfunding right and there's ways to do it wrong. Uh, there's always pitfalls in, in, even, you know, even in something like crowdfunding. Um, but some of the most successful companies have, have done massive crowdfunding campaigns. I'm an investor in a company called Butterfly who raised a half a million bucks in three days um, when they sure. launched their um, portable camera. And uh, uh, it, it's it's great. I mean, that, that's, that's it's kind of like you know free funding because all you do is <laughs> – well, look. The thing about when I say free funding is you're basically getting your customers to fund your business, which yeah. is the best yeah. way of funding your business. If you can get your customers um, to to pay for you <laughs> give you to give you the early cash flow in any business, whether it's using sure. crowdfunding or just negotiating contracts where you get paid up front, that's a really smart way to build a business. Uh, and another thing is that they also are willing to kind of indicate their price that they're willing to buy and or not buy. So you see a lot of these guys who put in the various price brackets and some of them are fully subscribed and some of them are not. It kind of gives you an idea of what people are willing to pay for your service. If you're getting zero funding and zero feedback on, on any price point, either your product is crap or you just don't know what you're doing. There's ways to do everything, right? Absolutely. So I always tell people the number one source of funding is your customers. If you mm. can build a business where your customers can fund your business, uh, it means that you've got a really solid business. Um, um, all right, we've got a question that's coming through WeChat. Um, Vinny, how does one find a gap in the market or a product or a service that is demand that hasn't been created? I think it's a million-dollar sure. question, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 there's a process of iteration around this. I mean, you, you've got to sit with – look, this is, how I, I, this is how my methodology for solving these sorts of problems is to, to become very bold. So you, you, look, you look forward and say, what problem – is what is a problem today that should not be a problem in uh, seven or ten years' time? 
Like, what's a what's a really cool thing to solve, or what's a, what's a real issue in the market right now? Where you know, if I fast forward ten years from now, this problem would have been solved. Okay, and the reason I say ten years is because you know, short term problems are always going to be taken will be taken because people in the industry will yes. um will, will be working on those problems already. And so Jeff Bezos, you know, uh, the founder of Amazon, he always says. Um, Everyone's looking three years ahead. Few people are looking five years ahead. No one's looking seven years ahead, and uh, and that's where we play. So Amazon's always looking seven years ahead. So it's kind of the same same mindset. So if you look if you look at a problem that exists today, and you know, get Elon Musk did something similar, where he said, okay, um, cars should be electric. Okay, or you look forward and say, you know, something shouldn't be the way it is. It should be different. And then you ask yourself, well, why why is it not that way? And then you go through a process of iteration. And you, you, you get to the point, well, okay, um, it, it's not that way because fundamentally the costs of the product, the cost of uh, the technology is too high or whatever it is, or the market's not ready or there's a legislative issue or whatever it is. And then you ask yourself, well, when that, how does that problem get solved in, in, you know, in seven years from now? And you, you probably work out there'll be a different solution. And, and you say, well, that, that solution is predicated on Another solution being built before that, and you kind of whittle it down to what I call, you know, it's it's, it's the industry term is actually an MVP, minimum viable product, right? And so, and so you start with something which is it's seemingly very simple and and um, mundane and like, you know, why didn't I think of that type of product? And but the vision for a company would be ten years from now, this is how it changes things, uh, or seven years from now, this is how it changes things. And but the product today is something so simple and so needed by people, and it's it's a far cry for what it's going to be in seven years' time. And and that's the that's the basis for a really game changing, industry changing idea, um, world changing idea, in my mind. In my mm-hmm. mind, because then you've got something which is in demand right now, but it has a pathway to something a lot bigger a in bigger. the future. And so you can apply it to many different fields and industries. And in some cases, you'll get a dead end. Some cases, well, there's just no way this problem is going to be solved in. In ten years from now, you know, maybe it's twenty or thirty years from now. That doesn't make practical sense um, in terms of building a company around it, um, because technology changes so much anyway. But I think that's that's how I do it. I, you know, so when I started Gift, it was the same thing. Well, you know, Gift started four years ago. Four years ago, I said, look, why all, why is why are people walking around with plastic gift cards in their wallets and having ten different gift cards with ten different stores? Why can't you just store this all on your mobile phone? And um, and this is how the world will be in seven years' time. You know, five years time or seven years time. Today, the industries in the U.S. it's a hundred fifty billion dollar gift card market, um, and I think less than ten percent is still you know mm-hmm. on mobile devices and digital. Ninety percent still plastic and physical. It's but it's moving rapidly. We know in two or three years time it'll be about a fifty percent split probably. Um, so so the 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 call was right. The the solution was actually the right solution. But the first version of the product we built was very, very simple. You could only buy a couple of retail stores. You could upload a couple of cards to check balances. Very, very simple product. And people use it, and we grew the business over four years to be quite a big business. Um, but that's because the vision was seven or ten years out. But let's start with something now that can get us there. Yeah. So I think I think what, we, what we've chatted about is the things we know, right? We need to have a plan. We need to start locally before we go global. But, Vinny, what are some of, like, the absolute no-no's um, if someone wants to approach an investor, um, I mean, look, 
there's not if there are very few no nos in absolute terms. Um, purely because every investor is different. So I, I can speak from my own perspective on on what I think. Um, you know, I don't like to see, and, and, and typically I don't like to see. Um, I, I don't really like to see solo founders, especially solo founders with no technical expertise, trying to go into the tech world. For me, that's like, you know, um, it's like kind of sacrilege. Right? You, you can't <laughs> speak the language. How can you try and take on people who have been in the industry for decades? Uh, so that doesn't work for me. Also. You know, the, the direct contacts, people emailing me randomly or Facebooking me on or LinkedIn. You know, sure, I'll I'll take a quick look, whatever. But there's no context to the relationship. Like, I don't know who you are. I, I get so many people pitching me every single day and whatever else. It's just, it's, you, 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 there's just noise. It's very different from someone else who may know me. And it's not very hard. To, I mean, I know a lot of people. So <laughs> you find someone who knows me is willing to make an introduction or whatever else. That's a lot more... Okay, this person's at least because people who know me aren't going to introduce people who are you know suspect to me, right? So at least there's a bit of a filter there. And a lot of Silicon Valley works that way, where there's a network effect. Where if you get introduced to an investor from another potential investor or someone he knows, there's kind of a trust network that gets built. So, that, so getting introduced to an investor is, is is a really good way of doing it. Um, you know, the the first thing that puts me off is people who start with like. I got this billion dollar idea, billion dollar idea. It, you know, it's never about the idea. It's about the execution. It's about what's your first product that you put in the market. You're not going to start a billion dollar company with, you know, a couple of million rands worth of investment. It's just not that simple. That's just not how it works. You've got to start with building a small product or a simple product or service, getting traction, building client base and building a real business. And that just takes time. So the notion that, that just, just add a million rand and this is worth a billion over time. There's a guy in Dragons that tried that with us as well. I mean, it was just ridiculous. <laughs> so it, it doesn't work. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, so those are things. I mean, for me, it's just technical skills. It must be at least, if you're a single founder, you must have amazing technical skills and business skills, like in one. Most of the time, you should probably be two people. One, one is business guy, one's writing the code. Um, a perfect example is Sweep South. I invested yes. in dot uh, yes. Coza, amazing technical guy, Alan uh, and 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 Aisha, his uh, his you know wife actually and and business partner. She's on the business side running the company. The two of them have done amazing stuff in the past year because one's focusing on the code, the other's focusing on on the company, and they're able to build it. So th- those are sorts of things that I look at. So you know, in summary, uh, introductions via email, um, you know. M- Teams, not solo people, technical skills, and uh, and being practical about what what you can achieve in with with limited capital. Sure. Okay. Oh. I mean, this is kind of the MBA stuff that people should be should be listening to. Um, guys, if you are still not convinced for whatever reason, pick up a copy of the book. Ask yourself some real hard questions. People fool themselves into getting answers that they want to hear. And obviously your mommy is going to tell you that you're the best in the world and you, you know, that's why people go on idols because um, they think they can <laughs> sing because they won a school talent competition. But business is very different. Business is cruel and the numbers don't lie. And the numbers are the numbers. And you've got to be able to understand how to read a spreadsheet, a P&L, understand what's going on in the business because it's not emotional. And the biggest thing is, be true to what you're trying to what you're trying to do. If you're not a techie, are you should you really be investing? Oh, be in a tech space. Um, if like if you're into the beauty industry, that's great. But then do stuff in the beauty industry because you understand it and you'll solve the beauty problems. You're not going to solve a techie problem if you're not living and dying kind of that that read. 
Um, Vinny, thank you very much. Sorry to keep you up so late on your, on your side. You're probably starting your day around about now, anyways. Um, but the <laughs> no, book. I'll be up, I'll be up at, uh, in about four and a half hours ah. to catch a, a train. Actually. Plenty time to sleep. Four hours. Come on. What's this? Half day. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, guys. So the book's available. Please just check, um, check it out. Vinny, thank you very, very much, um, for your time and your input. Um, words of wisdoms here. I told you he was the guy. Didn't I tell you? I yep. told you. I'm you told sure. Me I think I told Um, right. Cause I mean, this stuff is golden because people make the same mistakes again. And again and again, and they blame everybody else, but look deep inside themselves and understand what they actually fundamentally went wrong. And it's okay to fail. You've just got to learn what you did wrong and then pick up the pieces and move on to your next project. And people who either fail and stop, maybe they would, it's not in them in the first place. So thank you again. Um, guys, the podcast will be available shortly after this. Um, if you need to get a hold of us or more information, check out thetechieguy.com or get a hold of me at Leron underscore SEGV. Jody, one more time, your Twitter handle. At Jody Ann Castle. Okay, that was quite, quite straightforward. Um, look out for a video on LinkedIn, but get an introduction first, people. Um, otherwise, you'll be just lost in the crowd. Um, and this is another Talking Tech episode wrapped up. Another hour has actually magically just disappeared. Thank you very much. Tune in. And everything else is on cliffcentral.com. This is cliffcentral.com.